0: You're on the Plants Grow Here podcast. I'm Daniel Fuller. Come along with me as we enter a hidden world of deep horticultural, ecological and landscape gardening knowledge with featured experts, industry professionals and enthusiasts. We're stronger together. That's why I reckon that professionals working in different parts of the horticultural industry should be linking up a lot more than we currently do. In this episode, we have Karen Smith on the show, who's the editor of the Australian horticultural industry's best and only magazine, our first sponsor, Hort Journal Australia, which you can subscribe to for the physical copy or read online. She's going to speak about how we can all benefit from connecting different parts of the industry and how Hort Journal Australia has been doing this since 2008. G'day Karen, welcome to the show.
1: Nice to be here, thank you Daniel. Thanks for inviting me.
0: Yeah, this is going to be awesome. I'm really excited to actually be able to have a chat with you about these topics that we're going to be talking about. So like we've said, first one is connecting the industry, but I'd like to start off with getting a little bit of an introduction to the Hort Journal magazine. Can you tell us where you guys are, who you're aiming to help, and what you want to achieve with every new issue?
1: Okay. Well, Hort Journal started in 2008 right in the middle of the global financial crisis and magazines were sort of popping off everywhere or falling over I should say but I think because our focus has always been on the plant on plants themselves I think that's we we haven't strayed away from that it's very easy to sort of go off on a tangent in different directions but we always try to come back to it always being about the plant so what do we try to achieve every issue? I guess, basically, it's been my goal to to aim to have a good cross section of information in the magazine. So bringing in different sectors to try and bridge that gap between the sectors, because I do find, and I think we probably talk about this a bit later, there is a little bit of a, a disconnection. So trying to keep Industry update. We also carry the Court Journal, carries the nursery and garden industry papers and also the greener spaces, better places data that comes through. But other than that, we certainly have particular features each month representing different sectors. So that's pretty much our aim is to always come back to it being about the plant and connecting to the various sectors. Because as you know, there's There are a lot of different sectors because you could be a a commercial grower or you could be a retail seller or a a landscape gardener, designer or installer. We have interior plantscapes as well and botanic gardens. And the magazine is distributed to a very broad community in horticulture, including government departments, so universities and TAFE colleges and councils and and that type of thing. Yeah, just trying to be that conduit between different people who work with plants, I suppose.
2: And
0: that's very like-minded to how plants grow here is too. We want to connect people within the industry and, you know, we get arborists on and then we'll get soil scientists on. And a lot of the time you're right. As professional gardeners, we don't know what the other professional plant people are out there doing. And they have a lot of info that can help us. Sure.
1: And not only that. I suppose, compared to some industries, I mean, horticulture is a fairly big industry broadly. But if we all stick together and we all, you know, aim to have the same sort of goals, we, you know, we have a bigger voice. So uh, I, I think that it's really important that different sectors are representative, because, for example, somebody who maybe a student could subscribe to the journal, and they'll get information. You know, they might be still studying but haven't really decided which direction they're going to take. So they get a little bit of a taste of the different sectors before they actually make that decision or people who want to change direction. You know, they may have been working in landscape for a while and then decide they might want to get into plant breeding or something like that. So I think it's always really important to stay connected with the broader industry. Certainly got a lot to learn from each other, that's for sure.
0: Oh, Couldn't agree more. I'm so happy that we're doing this episode because it is a very important subject. Now, Karen, the Hort Journal is well respected within the industry. And in this day of, you know, internet and social media and stuff, there's a lot of misinformation out there. So people are going to have to be very careful about where they're selecting their information. But the fact that you've got government, you've got universities, and you've got industry all looking at this publication should be giving us an indication of the quality that we're talking about here. Oh, look,
1: you know, you could get information overload with the amount of Mm -hmm. information that is out there, particularly on the internet. And I remember many years ago interviewing a fellow by the name of Gil Teague, and he used to own the most magnificent shop in Sydney, bookshop, called Florilegium. And I said to him, and I'm going back more than a decade when I interviewed him, and I said, are you worried about? you know, the fact that the internet has all this information. And he said, Karen, the difference between information that you may (laughs) read on the internet and a published author and all his books were of a horticultural nature, all of his Mm -hmm. books either, you know, or environmental. And I thought, well, that was a pretty fair call because you won't get published by a reputable publisher if you're not producing the goods, you know, if it's, if it's not fair income, so to speak. So I think it's the same. I know I see a lot on social media. People put plants up. I'm on a few different groups of different plant types, and people will put a photograph up of a plant that's looking very tragic, and quite often they've bought from a backyard gardener, and, of course, there's, there's mm-hmm. issues associated with that, with uh, biosecurity and, and what have you. Mm-hmm. But then, uh, you know, a dozen people will come on with information about what's wrong with that plant and I just think, are you for real? Like I just, you know, I'm only falling my sometimes. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. like, yeah, you know <laughs> like you've overwatered, you've underwatered, oh no, put it outside, bring it inside, you know. Like, and I mean some of those responses might be right, but it's just the variety of information that's written down all on the one post. So if you are going to trawl the net, which we all do, Make sure you're going on to reputable sites and you know s- companies that have got really good information, not just you know sort of half baked mm. responses. You know, it's it's not to say that there aren't people on there because some Facebook groups I'm on, I'm just blown away by their industry experts because I'm on mm. specialized groups, you know, and they are industry experts and and you can tell by their responses the difference. But so you just have to be wise about it, I suppose, and you know, make sure that you you double check check and double check the information. So yeah.
0: So. story of my life, Karen. <laughs> I'm
1: sure it is. <laughs> you certainly come up with some good topics. It, it's amazing, really. It's
0: a like, Well, I'm lucky that I talk to people like you. So people oh, who know a lot more than me about the subject that we'll be talking about. Oh, I don't so. know about that. But
1: yeah, I mean it's certainly it's it's good to listen to. I've listened to a lot of your podcasts now. I'm I'm keeping up to date myself and you know, that's all oh. part of it. Keeping up to date, you know, I mean it's a long time since I did my formal studies, but you know, I always remember mine of my lecturers saying, Once we graduated, Oh well, your, your learning starts now, get out there in amongst <laughs> it and and it's uh, never been a truer word said.
0: So, so true. Yeah. Yeah, you got to be learning all the time. Learn from vastly different sources too. So don't get all your info from that one podcast or that one place. You got to be searching sure. out. In, yeah, talk to people. Yeah. When you're yeah. down there at the, you're picking up plants at the nursery. Have a chat to them. Hey, by the way, two years ago I saw this one pest on this particular plant. What was that? And then they might have that secret bit of info that's just bulks up your knowledge and makes you just a better gardener. Sure, sure. Oh, look, I just know from years of doing garden
1: consultations you know every now and then you'd you'd turn up at a garden and they say do you know what this plant is and you'd just rattle it off and they get you know Mm. I must have had 15 people here and I've asked that question and nobody's known (laughs) so none of us know at all but between Mm -hmm. us you know ask as you say ask enough people you get the information and you know and then you can follow that up you know once you you know somebody tells you what it is double check
0: so totally like for example like if you're a a landscape construction guy or girl mm-hmm. have a chat yeah. to your maintenance gardeners because they, they they're sick of you <laughs> they're sick of yeah. all of your mistakes <laughs> yeah yeah
1: well it's a real communication breakdown isn't it mm. you know and that's, that's what
0: this episode's about
1: yeah you know like i'm a huge networker i i love networking and i you know i like to like i said you know i probably with the nature of The journal, working as editor of the journal, I get around a bit under normal circumstances. But um, I also like during COVID have have been tuning in a lot to podcasts, and there's just been some fabulous things out there. And and I'm also a member, for example, of the Australian Institute of Horticulture and Interior Plantscape Association and International Plant Propagators, and so on. And so you know, there's a lot of information out there and this to me you know they're all running these webinars and to me if you know if we really want to cross pollinate with other sectors of the industry invite those people along to your web to your webinars you know I was the president of the interior plantscape for the last two years I, I stepped down this year give someone else a turn but we would then send out any webinars that we were doing and send that to the Institute of Horticulture and say, well, if any of your members want to join in, you know, go ahead. And a lot of industries are doing that now, and I, I think it's great. I think it's such a good way to to build those bridges with the other sectors. So I think we've all got different skill sets and different knowledge because horticulture, you know, is a huge Industry that you could go off in many different directions. So, you know, we all pick up different information along the line. Mm. And so, if we can share that information, it's, you know, it's great. You end up with a, a wealth of information. I don't know how long it sticks in my head, but it <laughs> hangs around for a little while.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, you've got to listen to it sometimes more than once. And I do urge our listeners to listen to some of the more technical episodes more than once because you need to.
1: Yeah, definitely. Oh, sometimes some podcasts I might play them back two or three, four times. Sometimes I go yeah. for a walk and and put them on, and you know you you pick up something different every time you listen to it. So
0: exactly, yeah, it's good. When we're talking about different parts of horticulture, I guess let's just rattle off a few of them. Like we've got maintenance gardening, we've got landscape construction, we've got landscape design and architecture, we've got yeah. agriculture. We've got arboriculture, which are the tree guys and girls. Like there's just, yep. like you say, it's so massive. This is a massive yes, industry, definitely.
1: And they all have their areas of expertise, and uh, certainly that communication is. I'm sure a lot of arborists probably almost fall out of the branch of a tree when they see what some people yes in, in maintenance yes. Or landscape or construction or builders, don't even go there. Um, <laughs> you know, the damage, yeah, the damage that's caused to trees. I mean, not long ago I was going for a walk and I saw a house that had three trees planted out the front with their lawn clippings piled up around the base, mm-hmm. probably half a metre high. Well, yeah. you know, we know that that's really bad for the tree. So an arborist would probably almost have a heart attack and want to go and, move it away you know like so this is where we need to communicate so if someone is being engaged to do the maintenance you know have a meeting to begin with with the the person who's designed it or constructed it and installed it you know make sure that those communication channels are open for many years I used to do reports for a a company that managed building sites you know like building big buildings, sorry, commercial buildings, and and the, the fellow that engaged me said, you know, we get different people coming along and they just do a bit of a tidy up and a snip here and a snip there. Can you do me a report of what needs to be done every month? And I did that for a long time and he said, it just works so well. And then occasionally I'd get a call from the person doing the maintenance. They say, oh, look, I'm not real sure how to do this. Can you, can you, you know, give me a bit of advice? So, you know, that was another way of breaking down those communication barriers and you know so perhaps that's something that uh, landscape designers or the people constructing them could do a maintenance plan mm-hmm. although having said I love that I <laughs> <yeah. laughs> of me having said that I just spoke with somebody recently who said she's a horticulturist and she decided you know her body's falling apart she might go and do uh, landscape architecture because she, you know, felt that it would be a bit easier on a body. You know, n- no, none of us are getting any younger. So she was actually totally disappointed, I suppose is the word, in that she really didn't learn very much in her three years of study about plants. She said oh. she learned how to dissect a cane toad but never learned anything about <laughs>
0: <laughs> In biology or something. <laughs> Yeah, yeah.
1: So, you know, she was really, really disappointed. So she went and enrolled in another course. I can't remember what she said it was now. But I mean, she was a qualified horticulturist. But yeah, she just said she thought that that was really disappointing. And I said, well, actually, I'm not surprised because, you know, and I'm not, I don't want to pick on any particular people within the industry because I'm sure there's a lot of landscape architects. I know a lot of landscape architects out there who have fabulous horticultural knowledge and plant knowledge and, and they're usually the ones that win the awards for the plantscaping section because they, they want to see more um, plants go in. But I I know from my years of working in a nursery, sometimes people would come in with a landscape plan and... And I do re- recall one particular plan that had planter boxes with ficus benjamina's planted spaced every fifty centimeters. Well, mm-hmm. I don't know if you are <laughs> aware of how big a ficus benjamina <laughs> <Yes. laughs> tree grows, but bigger than my house for sure. So, you know, I was, I was just, you know, I spoke to one of the other horticultures. Look at this. So, you know, I guess when they're just planting along, you know, uh, drawing their plans, they're in an office and they just draw the little images of a tree and put, oh, well, space them 50 centimetres apart without really putting a lot of thought into that particular plant. So then another time I was talking to a person who supplies plants and he said he was at a landscape architects conference and, and the topic came up about, you know, the silly plants that are are put in in landscape designs or, you know, the same old things put in over and over again. And they said, well, you know, we're sitting in an office. We don't, we're not out amongst it like you guys are. You know, we're not out there and and spending time in nurseries or gardens and, and seeing things in their mature state. If people would send us the specifications of the plants, well, then we'd have a better idea. We would look up, you know, plants that only grow to one metre high by one metre wide rather than, you know, 30 metres high by 30 metres wide. So, I mean, like I said, not not everyone's the same. Of course, there's people that do the right thing and and put the effort in, but, you know, probably for everyone that does the right thing, there's one that doesn't. So, Yeah. yeah, that's certainly where those communications, in fact, that's how Plant Select came about because I'd I'd uh, given a talk at a conference once about bridging the gap and how that that connection between growers and and designers or you know landscapers generally and uh, you know the landscaper says well you know we get sick of put the same old thing all the time you know the same things are specified and and then other growers growers would be saying, well, you know, why don't they put our plants in? We've got the best plants that to do the job. And go, well, are you telling these people about yeah. your new plants? You know, are you sending them information about the plants? So that's why Gabe from Greener Publishing started Plant Select because for that very reason. So every plant that's on there has the specifications on it. So that's another way for us as Greener Publishing to to be able to communicate that information
0: and we will have links in the show notes for plant select and i do urge our listeners to use that resource because it is fabulous
1: well it's free to use as well you know you can bring up the bring up your spreadsheet and list the plants that you want and once it's all in there you can you can forward plan and you know you might not need plants for 12 months and in fact doing the research for that presentation that was what one of the landscape architects said to me you know we spend a lot of time doing a plan but by the time it actually gets installed can be up to two years especially if it's a big commercial job and she said you know I go to all this spend all this time and then it comes back to me because you know the installer can't just change what's on the list they have to go back to the mm-hmm. designer and confirm that it you know, can be changed. And she said, so the the plan would come back to me and I would have to spend time then searching, you know, for the suitable plants and ones that they can get. And she doesn't get paid for that extra time. Hmm. So if you can forward plan by saying, well, I want something that's in a 500 or 400 litre pot, you know, in 18 months time, you can actually select all that. And of course, then it all gets sent out to the growers and they'll come back with a quote. So it's a real one-stop shop,
0: really. This is what we're talking about with connecting the industry. Yes, yes.
1: So uh, like I said, that's that's kind of our our thing is to connect people. and And because we hear what people's pains are, you know, what causes them grief in their job. So if we can communicate that, you know, that pain from the architect to the grower or to the landscape installer, you know yeah we we we're out and about and we hear all that well particularly i do because if i'm at an expo or a conference i talk to people and ask them you know how's business been what's good what's bad you know so it's all about listening and to to what people's grief you know grieving grievances are and and how we can help to overcome
2: them
0: yeah if you're a grower have a chat to your customers, you know, like what what yeah. do they want? What do they like? When you're networking, don't network only with people who are in the same part of the industry. Network with people who are doing other stuff. Yeah.
1: Well, that's right. Wouldn't you, as a grower, I would think it would be a great idea to host a day, and it does happen with some now. They have the plant trials as to what's, uh, you know, what's new on the market and what's great, and, and trade days to a certain extent but I think it needs to be a bit more than that. Actually, on the Plant Select website, we've also got a new product, new releases, you know, what's new? Because, mm. you know, it might only be every every month there's a few new plants come along and, and, you know, you can quickly have a look and see if there's anything suitable for you. And if not, just, you know, go back into the uh, search engine and search for other things. But, yeah, I mean, I must admit I'm always looking for something new. It's like I'm like a bee to a honeypot in a nursery. Yeah. You know, what <laughs> haven't I seen before? And yeah. my husband in law, I buy plants, he goes, where are you gonna put that? I said, Don't even worry about that. We'll find somewhere. <laughs> so, you know, it's we all want to see new and interesting things and yeah. Actually I yeah. I recall going to the Ayldam Awards one night, quite a few years ago now, but there was a, a woman there who she lives up in northern New South Wales and, and I she won the award for Best Plantscaping. Anyway, I went and spoke to her after she received her award and, and I said, oh, congratulations, and I said, gosh, those images were beautiful. She said, for the first time in my life, Karen, I've been a landscape architect for 30 years. For the first time in my life I was able to put in absolutely everything that I love because it's my own garden. She moved up the coast, up to near Ballinaway, north north east coast and of uh, New South Wales. And so the next time I was heading up to Queensland, I contacted her and said, can I come by and have a look at your garden? Oh my God, it was absolutely beautiful. The variety and the textures and the colours of the plants was just absolutely beautiful. Mm. So that would be... I mean, I would have that garden on my website left, right and centre because people would go onto your website and look at it and think, wow, look at that. So sometimes, don't be afraid to advertise your own garden unless you're like the plumber with the leaky tap, you know. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's a bit of a cliche. Gardeners in their gardens are a bit like a mechanic in their car, they say, or a plumber in their town.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, you know, you have to practice what you preach and a garden is certainly something that's easy to display. Everyone that comes to your house, you know, they all want to have a look at your garden. So yeah, you have to stay on top of it. That's for sure.
0: Absolutely. So I guess these connections, we're talking about connectivity in the industry. I think Like, let's just say as a maintenance gardener, some of the things that I see is let's say a landscape designer has put a bunch of plants in and then you see the maintainers come and they just hedge everything. They'll prune everything, um, you know, with these non-selective shearing cuts and, yeah, turn them all into hedges. Like how do you think that that would make the designer feel if he saw that, he or she?
1: Oh, definitely. But there's also... There's also a bit of a responsibility, and that comes back to having that maintenance plan. It works really well because, you know, they might say prune your fruit trees, but the time of the year that you prune a stone fruit would be different to the time of the year that you might prune a citrus tree. Yeah. So by having a maintenance plan, you can do a seasonal chart. So I would have a month-by-month thing that could be done, and then I would break that down further into – a seasonal calendar four times a year you know the things that should be done topping up the mulch putting some organic fertilizer around etc but then i would have the months that pruning was required and even having had a landscape business myself i always did a maintenance plan for my clients because i'd put the garden in and then they'd say oh my god I'm never going to be able to look after this. I don't know when I should prune, yeah. you know, I don't know when I should fertilise and, they, and they'd and they get panicky. And I'd say, all right, I'd sit down with them. Let's look at what we've got here. What sort of trees do we have? What sort of shrubs, ground covers, whatever. And then we, I'd work it through the maintenance plant and I'd list the types of things. If they do nothing else, please, you know, top up your organic fertiliser and your mulch. And, you know, I mean, with hedging, it's a bit different because they're just hedging Constantly, so they don't necessarily have to worry about flowering plants and stuff. But Hmm.
0: yeah, I
1: I think the secret to that is having a plan.
0: I love that, Karen.
1: And it's not that difficult to do.
0: And you're helping the client and you're also helping the maintenance gardeners who are going to be learning. Yes. Because they may not know that knowledge.
1: Yeah, that's right. I mean, what I would say to anyone who was new at the game, I would say look at your own garden, assuming they'd have a garden look what's in it, research all of those trees and look at when or plants and when they need to be fertilised or pruned, pruning mostly, Mm -hmm. and then, you know, have a calendar and stick it in the calendar, even if you do it on little post-it notes, and stick Mm -hmm. it in each month where it needs to be done and then you gather it all up and write it up. And it's not hard to do, seriously. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that was part of my my thing when I, you know, would design and install a garden. I did a beautiful package with, sorry, that was my wristwatch just started talking to me, sorry. (laughs) I'd do up a lovely package with before and after photos. I always took photos as we, from the very first day that I went there and do some, you know, really nice images. And then I would have the maintenance plan the types of products to have on on hand a fungicide you know an insecticide for sucking insects perhaps you know or some horticultural oil or something you know and uh, list the things that they should have or and then I'd have a page on what to do when they're going on holidays what to do with their indoor plants what to do with their outdoor plants and their pots so whether they've got an irrigation system or you know group certain plants together and that type of thing so yeah it's It's not a hard thing to do, but it
0: it delivers a lot of value. Absolutely. And some people might be like, oh, who can be bothered to do that? But Karen, do you think that you've separated yourself, you know, as a higher tier kind of a price range by doing that sort of extra step?
1: Look, at the consultation stage, I think, in fact, after a while, I even used to have a few landscapers say, would you do the consultation for me? Because I would sit down with the customer and say, okay, I've looked at your garden, I've looked at the soil, I need this amount of time to prepare it. Because people think, you know, they watch the blitz-type garden shows that, you know, it's all done in a day and it looks like it's been there for 10 years. (laughs) Well, the reality is if I spend this amount of time preparing your soil, I'm not going to be called back here in three months' time because your plants are looking tragic. If I put all my effort into that part of the installation preparing the soil improving the soil I'm pretty much 90% or well, 99% guaranteed the plants are going to thrive and I take a personal I take it personally that once in all the years that I was doing landscape installations I got called back to a property and There were some planter boxes. We'd put an irrigation system in, we'd we'd timed it, and the customer each day was coming out and looking at the planter box and thinking it looked dry because we had drip irrigation under the mulch and so was putting buckets of water on every day. Consequently, there were some New Zealand flax plants in there that did not like it at all and they were advanced ones. So I said as a gesture of goodwill, I'll replace those plants, but if it happens again, I won't replace them because you should not have added extra water. So, you know, that was a lesson to the customer and a lesson to me to make it to communicate that better to the next customer. You know, this is how we've set up the irrigation. You will not need to add extra water. And it might look dry on the top, but it's not underneath the mulch. So, yeah, it's all about communication.
0: Absolutely. And unfortunately, sometimes too much water can look a lot like too little water. Yeah, it's sometimes... Or too little water. Yeah, and so yeah. they might be looking at the soil on top, it's dry, and the plants are wilting. Oh, more water, more water, more water.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's exactly what happens. And yes, underwatering and overwatering can be just as detrimental as the other.
0: Yeah. A lot of this knowledge can be picked up through formal study. And, you know, a lot of us have our own specialties. A lot of us have studied. Some of us haven't. but. Yeah. What are your thoughts on informal studies such as reading the Hort Journal or listening to Plants Grow Here podcast?
1: Look, I think some people want to learn. Mm. And I know some people who are in some really senior horticultural roles that have no formal qualifications but would run rings around most people I know, including myself. Mm. You know, it's because they're interested, they become they can become experts in their field. So I interviewed somebody recently exactly about that because I did an article in the Hort Journal about it. And he said, I'll take passion over qualifications any day because if someone is truly passionate about something, they will learn. Mm-hmm. I think there's probably, an, uh, there's probably an element of higher qualifications gets the better job. But you can't put a value on experience either. So, I mean, it's nice to have the combination. And I think Mm. for somebody who wants, who may be passionate and become an expert but have no formal qualifications, it wouldn't be hard to get them because you can get the, you know, recognition of prior learning and that sort of thing if you need it, if you need it. I mean, I am a big believer in education. But as you say, education comes in many ways these days. Mm. And, you know, your learning never stops. So, you know, it's 30 years since I studied, but I, I've i done heaps of courses, you know, just small courses, short courses ever since I'm always doing things. And now I'm always on podcasts and webinars and, and listening, you know, to experts and, and so and going to conferences, mm. you know, that there, there's fabulous guest speakers at a lot of the conferences. I know it costs a lot of money to go to conferences, but now I think with COVID, you know, people can tune in. Last year, uh, in March last year, just before the lockdown, I went to the Green Industry Australia conference in Perth and there was a fellow streamed in from America, a speaker. So I'd say that the cost of conferences may very well you know you may get a cheaper option you may be able to attend and pay one price but you may be able to you know tune in and get it at a cheaper price i don't know i'm just i think it's a good idea whether or not that happens but yeah so and good books really good books information that you won't always get you know i I think it's a combination of things it's not any any one thing you know? It's just like a garden.
0: What, are you going to have a garden with all cesidiums in there? It's going to be boring. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Not much value.
1: Yeah, you know, it's it's really sad sometimes when you, like I walk a lot, you know, and I and I look at gardens and I think, oh, you know, I could do so much with that house. And we know, like statistics have shown that a house with good landscaping will fetch a higher price than one without, you know? Yeah. So and
0: we can't see everything.
1: We only know what we know. No. So I think, you know, why not create your own little bit of paradise? And certainly with COVID, you know, plant sales have been at record highs over the last 18 months. So it's about time our industry had a a bit of a, a windfall because, you know, we've been through decades of droughts and, you know, people getting worried about putting, won't buy plants because they can't water them and this type of thing. So, you know, I think It's about time that we had a a bit of an upturn in our industry and hopefully we can drive that interest. I mean, I just read somewhere the other day in New Zealand someone paid twenty-seven thousand for a variegated Monstera. Twenty-seven thousand (laughs) dollars. This is the online crazy market and you know, I I think you know, they buy it as a mother plant and then they sell bits and pieces off for a thousand bucks. So it could be an investment. A node.
0: (laughs) Yes. Yeah. But um Karen there's also some biosecurity risks there too when we're buying plants online aren't there?
1: There definitely is and and I know that that's a bit of a concern with a lot of growers because you know they have to meet all sorts of criteria to ensure that their their stock is healthy and I mean it's in their interest too because you know they're not just growing one or two plants they're growing hundreds of thousands of mm. plants so they need to ensure that things are grown you know healthily and and efficiently as well but the problem with buying some backyard backyard plants you know we, we tend to call them you know and even from markets and stuff like that where people are growing them and selling them i mean you might be lucky and you might not get any problems but you don't know what they're grown in and what sort of diseases you could be taking back home so that, absolutely it's definitely an issue
0: it's an issue that nursery workers know about but a lot of people might not know about that.
1: No, that's right. And I'm sure, you know, imagine if you've just forked out 27000 for a plant <laughs> that died of some dreadful fungal
0: disease. And then killed all your $7 plants too.
1: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's right. So, you know, you do have to be a little bit mindful of that. And if you are buying that way, maybe isolate it and from your other plants until it's been growing for a while and see how it goes or, you know. Yeah, you don't know what sort of bacteria or, or pests you're taking home either. So, mm. yeah, it's something to be mindful about, that's for sure.
0: Absolutely. Karen, I forgot to mention one other industry before when we were talking about the diff- uh, one other part of the industry, I guess. You could yeah. say it's a different industry, but I want to talk about the importance of ecological knowledge in a, for a gardener. What, what do you think that people – do you think people care about that? Do you think they should care about ecology? I think we should all care about
1: it. And look, there's some there's some people that don't really care much about lots of things, you know, they just go off to work and earn their money and or charge their customers and pack up and go home at the end of the day. And I know for a while there I was working doing some training work for garden franchisees and we had a, a speaker come out one day and he was from one of the local councils, and, and they were running courses, which all of our franchisees went to, on how to manage, you know, your rubbish and stuff because we've all heard the stories about people dumping rubbish everywhere, blowing all the, get the blower out and blow all the rubbish. So You know, the house that they've worked on has got a beautiful clean gutter and the house mm. next door has got grass all over their car <laughs> and down the, this I speak from experience yeah. here, yeah. and down the gutter. <laughs> Yep. you know, into the drain. And I think, oh, my God, couldn't tell you how many times I've I've said, oh, come on, you know, like you're not doing the right thing there. Some bosses will tell you to do it. Really? Yeah. Well, you know, really the councils should fine people for that sort of thing. But, you know, with government cutbacks all the time, you you're really fighting a bit of an uphill battle
0: there, aren't you? So habitat and stuff too you know like we are put, putting in these native plants because we want to provide habitat habitat for our native wildlife but th- there's knowledge there too in terms of what habitats beneficial and you know n- putting in a native plant may or may not be ecologically valuable
1: yeah well that's where it comes down to doing your research like if a customer says look i want something that brings in small birds you know you know do your research and and there's plenty of really good books out there about you know native plants and bird attractant gardens because they think oh well if I put this grevillea in here I'm going to get all the birds but you know it might bring in some types of birds I mean no, I know I've got a, a small bottle brush that's always full of blue wrens and then I've got a, a eucalypt tree that's always full of lorikeets so and wattle birds you know so different trees or shrubs attract different birds naturally so yeah. but that's
0: yeah. A whole nother episode a whole nother episode <laughs> it just, episode. Goes, to, <laughs> it just yeah. goes to show that the connections that we can be making how we can learn from each other and make our own work better essentially
1: definitely and i think you know there's tv shows like gardening australia i love the format of that show actually i sort of went off it for a little while a while back but i love it now because it's short sharp bits of information just like that you know and what real people are doing everyday people and how they're you know doing verge creating verge gardens or you know chickens chicken coops and all sorts of things in in inner city gardens so you know there's a lot of good information on on that show that educates people it's a very educational show and and i know also with schools the schools are been doing a little bit of work with schools as well in horticulture you know teaching them about horticulture and career paths and all that sort of stuff but the primary schools are you know schools everywhere are getting into having edible gardens and one guy I know he's working on a school that's got edible gardens and and they also have an on-site cafe and students that are studying hospitality can come and that you know they supply the cafe with produce and The students can learn from that and then work and do a hospitality course before they leave school, you know, like a a vet program. And, yeah, so lots of good things are happening to educate people. And if we educate people when they're young, you know, when, you know, mum and dad are throwing out their cigarette butts down the drain or whatever, don't do it, telling their parents not to do it, you know, we're getting them when they're young and, you know, what, what they can do because, you know, why it's important to have trees on their property because, you know, a lot of people don't, they move into an area because they love it, it's leafy and green, but they just don't want them on their property. So, you know, it's sometimes an uphill battle also for councils to keep their street trees because a lot of people don't want them. It's bizarre. And yet, once again, we know that those areas that have the streets with the beautiful tree canopies that you can drive under, you know, they're, Property prices are way higher. It, it's a strange thing, compared to some of the newer homes that are built, you know, butting up to each other, and there's no room for a tree. So that's a whole nother episode. That one, whole another episode. There, <laughs> that should be my catchphrase yeah. for the show.
0: <laughs> there's yeah. a whole another episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I say it quite often.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you do. Yeah, yeah. So it's all about the education, communicating with people and like what you're doing with your blog, we do with our magazine. And yep. hopefully, you know, people take bits of information and and do something really good with it, you know.
0: Absolutely. So,
1: getting a bit of diversity.
0: Couldn't agree more. You mentioned the Plants Grow Here blog there. A lot of our listeners probably don't know, but before Plants Grow Here was a podcast, it was actually a blog and I've got 50 articles up there that people might like to go and listen, uh, might like to go and read. Uh, oh, very okay. much maintenance, yeah, More very much from a maintenance gardening kind of a perspective, really, yeah. most of it, yeah. But, yeah, it's yeah. good stuff. Oh, well, you
1: should start doing a few maintenance plans.
0: Yes, I should yeah. do because a lot of us maintenance gardeners, we get a bad rap and probably for a good reason. We get called petrol cowboys sometimes. I think there's probably yeah. an element of truth to that.
1: Yeah. Well, sometimes people are on a tight yeah. Frame time frame. Yep, and people do expect a lot. Oh, you know, I want this this at the end of the day, they want to come home and see no leaves everywhere.
2: Yeah, you
1: know, as you would know. So, you know, it sometimes needs a little bit of educating the client as well. That, well, look, I can do all this, but I am I just coming here to tidy your garden, or am I coming here to be a gardener?
2: <laughs> you know, make <laughs> that
1: clear at the beginning, and cause certainly. There are I I had a client years ago. She was a real gardener. So I actually just went and helped her and we both worked in the garden together. You know. So
0: sounds like a dream client. Yeah. Yeah,
1: except she always wanted, "Can you move that tree from there to there?" Oh no. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Not just me myself and I. I'm sorry, I can't.
0: <laughs> So, yeah, but...
2: Yeah, it's easy, was, though,
0: isn't it? Moving a tree, that's easy.
1: Oh, yeah, just do that. I'll go in and make you a cup of tea while you yeah. do that. <laughs> yeah,
0: sure. Yeah. It'll be done by the time who's you get going,
1: out. Yeah, who's going to fix my
0: back when I'm finished?
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, all all comes back to that initial consultation and talking to them and finding out exactly what they want. If they just want somebody to clean, well, they just want somebody to clean, which is yeah. often the case,
0: you know. Yep. Well, they don't know. They don't know what good horticulture is.
1: No, no, until you start turning up with a little plant. Oh, look at! I bought myself this week. I just thought I'd bring it along to show you. And they go, oh, I wouldn't mind some ah, of those. So, that's and very that's, clever. It is very clever. And, you know, it's no different to when you go into, like, my local garden centre, you know, they'll say, you know, someone will come and say, oh, have you seen this latest, you know, grevillea or rose or whatever? Because they know I'm a bit of a sucker or this indoor plant, you know, well, not that I'm a sucker. They know that I'm interested. And, you know, nine times out of ten I I buy them, you know. So it's no different, that little bit of educating. And and not only that, some of your clients don't get to go to the nursery. They don't have the time. They're either working or they're incapacitated. And so they're relying on you to turn up with something that's new and different and beautiful. Yeah, so yeah. It's a good idea to have a little mobile. That's my my own business name, Gardens on the Go. That's how I got that name because I'd always turn up with little goodies and, you know, <laughs> show the customers what I had and they'd often say, oh, can I buy that? I'll have that, that and that.
2: Mm-hmm. You know, it was good.
1: little sideline extra money spinner, you know.
0: Yeah. So you turn up for a Mo, would you like fries with that? <laughs>
1: it's exactly, it's called upselling.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Very clever.
1: Well, you know, if you can make a little bit of money, if you are doing three, if you are doing two or three gardens in a, in one street, and you can sell a few plants at the same time, why not? Or a nice pot, or a or a new product. You know, this is a great fertilizer, or a organic insecticide, or something like that. Yep.
0: No downsides. No. Exactly. So, Karen, where can people subscribe to the Hort Journal or buy the latest issue? Okay. Well, it is a subscription
1: only. And so you can go online onto the Hort Journal website, www.hortjournal.com.au, or they can email me, editor at hortjournal.com.au, and I'll pass it on to the to the uh, appropriate people and they'll um, fill out the subscription or they can even phone. Now you're going to ask me Gabe's phone number and I don't know it.
2: <laughs> I'll
0: have a link e- in the show notes. It'll yeah,
1: email is probably the best way to go. And yep. And, yeah, I mean, I think some members of the Institute of Horticulture, the registered horticulture, horticulturists, they get it as part of their membership fee. So there's another, you know, if people are industry people belonging to the Australian Institute of Horticulture is is another way of cross-communicating because there's many people that are members that are either a landscape architect or a designer or, or Installer or horticulturist working in various aspects. Like it doesn't matter what what aspect of the industry you're working, you can be a member of the Institute of Horticulture. Mm. So that's if for people are looking to mix with a whole range of people and network with a whole range of people within the industry, it's a good way to go.
0: Totally agree. So Karen, the last one, very open. <laughs> it's basically, yeah. is there anything else you want anybody else to know about?
1: Well. Yes there's also Garden Clubs Australia I think is is a good organization to belong to if people are keen about gardening and wanting to learn they can join there's lots of different garden clubs all over Australia that come under the Garden Clubs Australia banner and so that's a that's a good thing to know about and be involved in and yeah so I think if we're all involved in gardening and encouraging those around us to be involved in it we can only end up
0: living in a better world yeah that's beautiful karen thank you so much for an awesome episode i hope our listeners feel more inspired to go and make contact with other people in different parts of the horticultural industry
1: definitely we even talk to people outside the industry we're so nice
0: <laughs> yeah, god forbid <laughs>
1: No, I have to say that working in the horticultural industry for, for me has been a really lovely industry to work in because people are very grounded and and they do have a genuine love for nature and the environment. So I'd have to say that I don't I can't recall ever meeting nasty people in my industry. it's full of lovely people.
0: Make sure you check out the links in the show notes, which include a link to subscribe to the Hort Journal, one to check out Plant Select, and a number of others. Look forward to more Hort Journal episodes, including topics such as industry trends, starting a landscape business, interior landscaping, growing herbs, the plastic pot problem, and more.